You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Halley. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of The Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name's Connor Halley. Give me a follow on Twitter, at Connor Halley. We've got a great show coming up before you. We'll be joined by HeavyHockey.com's Dash in the Park. But before we get to that, just quickly want to let you know, DraftKings. Lots of fun to be had with DraftKings. Daily fantasy sports, if you want to check them out. If you do so, use promo code THPN. It can help you out along the way. Uh, we've got golf. We've got UFC. Of course, the NFL will be back in about a month. You can get in on the preseason action. Before you know it, the NHL and NBA will be back. So uh, check it out, DraftKings. A lot of fun, daily fantasy sports, and remember to use promo code THPN. Uh, thank you for tuning into the show today. It's been a while since we've done an episode. Obviously, it is the off season, so like the the news and notes and transactions, uh, the podcast world slows down just a little bit as well. But I do appreciate you tuning into the show today, and we'll bring in our guest right now. As I mentioned, from HeavyHockey.com, you can give him a follow on Twitter at Dash in the Park. Dash joins me. Dash, how are you doing today? Buddy, I'm really good. Thanks for having me. I love chatting hockey with you. Yeah, glad you could hop on today and we could make this work. Uh, I mean, I, I guess we'll we'll get to the Oilers in a second here, but uh, I, I know you are a big sports fan and uh, kind of sad news last night as Vin Scully, the you know, I'd say legendary voice of the Dodgers, but he did so much more. He could do, you know, he could do basketball. He could do football. Just a really good broadcaster passing away at the age of 94. Uh, if you had to go back into the memory bank, is there a favorite Vin Scully memory? You know, he's in baseball. He's the best that's ever done it. Uh, I don't think that there's even a debate. Um, I don't know if I have necessarily, you know, a vocal memory. I, I obviously... Um, over the years of listening to Dodger baseball and World Series, um, could never forget that voice. Uh, but I actually met Vince Gully, uh, oh. in, in Los Angeles when we did a off-season tour of Dodger Stadium one time. And you know what? It was about a week before the season started and, uh, he just happened to be, you know, in, in kind of his office slash studio slash area. <laughs> uh, it's an open area, so I'm not really sure what you would call it, but you know, the, uh, the announcing area and, uh, you know, short conversation, small talk and got to shake his hand. So that's what jumps out for me. Um, but very, uh, very sad news for sure as well. The basketball world, you know, has seen probably the greatest winner in all of sports pass on this week was, uh, was sad as well. Yeah, yeah, Bill Russell. I mean, the, the, what was it, 11 championships, like six in a row? Uh, I mean, that, yeah, that guy was absolutely phenomenal and a, a big name in the sporting world. So, um, yeah, a tough couple of days, but obviously, you know, when that happens and, you know, they lived great full lives, you get a chance to reflect upon what they're able to do. And, you know, if, if you've listened to TSN 1260 throughout the day or continue to, I mean, you're going to hear some great quotes, some great little liners from Scully. So yeah, sad news. Wanted to just quickly touch on that. Uh, let, let's go to the Edmonton. Oilers and the offseason's been interesting and uh, Dash you had a really good tweet I'll let people know at Dash in the park and uh, <laughs> you highlighted that the Oilers are getting a lot younger this upcoming season yeah you know I, I knew that we'd be losing Smith and, and Keith and Russell and you know I thought to myself geez that's I wonder how many games of experience that is and then the real more I dug I realized that are actually eight of our nine oldest players are going to be moving on this season between um, Mike Smith, Duncan Keith, Kurt Russell, uh, Miko Koskinen, Derek Broussard, uh, Turris, Sevier, and Cassian. Um, 5,878 games of experience uh, <laughs> will be walking out this season. You know, and not to say we bring in Jack Campbell and, and Matthias Janmark 
Uh, both guys right around 30 years old. I think Mateus turns 30 this season. Jack Campbell is 30. Um, Nuge turns 30 in April once we make the playoffs. But, you know, those two guys now are two of our five oldest players. And, you know, it's no disrespect to them, but they're only bringing in 555 games of experience as we, as we ship 5,878 out. So, uh, I just don't want to be too naive as an Oilers fan to think that that is, isn't going to affect the room somehow. Um, you know, I put it out there on Twitter. How's this going to affect the team? And some of the, some of the different comments are coming in and nobody seems to be too worried about it overall. I think, um, the consensus is that, um, nurse McDavid and Drysidle have, have got NHL experience. They've got playoff experience. Uh, they've made it to a second round. They've made it to a third round. Generally by now, they should have learned most of what they need to know, uh, to push over the hump. So let's hope that, um, you know, there, there isn't too much of a, um, a bump in the road, but you know, I, I have a hard time not thinking back to last season, which was an absolute roller coaster of winning and losing streaks. And, you know, if, if there's something similar to that this year, I wonder how this young core of leaders can, can handle, uh, 17 and five winning streak or a 17 and five losing streak or, that bumps in, in the road and make sure that we, can they still, you know, keep things even and make sure people aren't going to panic and, and have that experience in the room. So that's something that I, you know, I think that we should all kind of keep in the back of our head as we, as we move into the season and see how it develops. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, I'm like, I think I reference it a lot on air and I probably on this podcast, social media, like when, when there was a tough spot, you kind of got that vibe that Duncan Keith might pipe up and say something or Mike Smith. With the current Oilers roster right now, a lot of those guys are gone. So who do you think becomes more that vocal leader? Like, to me, the one that comes to mind, Darnell Nurse, obviously. But I also think Leon Dreisaitl. And he only wears the A on the road, I think. Like, they, they rotate the letters. To me, that's a guy who, who's who got that leadership capability. I think he should have the A on his sweater every game because he's, he's that good. And I think he's a guy who can potentially be someone who speaks up in the room. I don't know if that is Connor McDavid's personality. Obviously, we don't know what happens behind closed doors. But when you look at that that vocal leader, is there anyone you think uh, could be someone who could step up this year? The big one that jumps out for me as well is, is obviously Darnell Nurse. Uh, you know, he's, he's stepping into those prime years um, where defensemen peak, you know, at that 26 to 32 range. Um, I would say he has the personality type to be that type of vocal leader. Um, my fear is, is I'm not sure we have that Ference or Hendricks or Smith type player in the room anymore. You know, um, Gretzky always had Messier. Uh, Gretzky could do his leading on the ice and, and Messier could, you know, do it on the ice as well. But, uh, also I think have the personality to maybe throw a guy up against a wall every once in a while and say, you know, let's, let's go keep up um now hmm, it's hard you know I, i'm not sure cc is that outspoken as a as a leader i'm not sure mcdavid's that outspoken as a leader i don't think nuge is that outspoken as a leader Derek ryan is left as our oldest player at the age of 34 35 this year and you know i'm not sure he's the vocal leader um maybe it's just a leadership by committee um you know everybody does their part and and if we have to have that one person that, you know, stands up. I think it does have to be Darnell Nurse at this point in time. And that, and that is interesting. I mean, it, it, those guys do have to take that step, right? And you talked about Nuge, you know, he's, 
he he's baby nuge to a lot of us, but I mean he is going mm-hmm. to turn thirty years old. He's a veteran in the NHL. Darnell Nurse, a big time veteran in the NHL. These guys have now been to a conference semifinal, so they should have that leadership capability. It's definitely that something's going to have to play out, and I I think that. And I, I was funny because I was just listening to a podcast about Matt Ryan with the Colts. And, you know, he mm-hmm. said, like, he doesn't have to be your friend, you know, off the field. If you don't mm-hmm. like him, that's OK. But when you're on the field, you know, there has to be that that level of leadership and someone who's not afraid to necessarily be the bad guy. So for the Oilers, you know, it's funny we talk about that now. Somebody might have to step up and be that person. Um, I mean, I, I think obviously they'll still like the person, but every once in a while, the yeah. team needs to kick in the butt. Someone's got to do it. And, and I do like that uh, for the Edmonton Oilers coaching staff this off season obviously i don't think any surprise that you know the majority of them would be retained uh jay woodcroft with what he did i mean it was it was pretty amazing uh turning this team around uh the team does bring in mark stewart to be an assistant coach a guy who hasn't played uh in the nhl for about five years but you know played in the nhl i love the move because i think he can be the perfect go-between you know, between the coaching staff and the players. He can relate to a lot of these guys because he played in this era of the NHL, but at the same time, a couple of years of coaching experience, uh, obviously getting his foot in the door. Um, what do you think we can expect from this coaching staff, kind of getting the full training camp, the preseason, and, and going into their first full season with the Oilers? I think having that training camp is going to be massive, absolutely massive. Um, if you remember the timing of the Jay Woodcroft hire, it was a bit of a head scratch and, you know, maybe the proof that it was a knee jerk decision by Holland, but <laughs> the others had a week or two off right before that. And I think there was a lot of people clamoring that if this tippet firing was going to happen, maybe it should happen before that break so that Woodcroft had some time to really work on the team and work on some systems. And as a result of not having that time, you know, obviously he, he was outspoken about how, he had to do it in stages and, you know, like kind of insert little bits of his uh, philosophy, um, you know, at a, at a very slow pace and probably slower than he would have liked to be able to start from scratch and, and have this uh, team from the beginning, I think is, you know, and it's a little bit, obviously quite a bit of a new team. We've turned over probably 25% of the roster. So to have everybody, you know, the Tippett guys per se gone and uh, the Woodcock guys in, I think is going to be another thing that helps. Um, you know, no surprise that he brought back who he did. Manson has been an absolute genius with the defensive core. Um, and I think we're going to need that given that maybe the, the thing that stands out to me is, as the weakness on this team, uh, which I have some comments on and maybe we can jump into the that defense stuff later. But ultimately, um, Gullickson coming back isn't much of a surprise either. Um, you know, he's an Alberta guy. His, his kids are fully entrenched in sports in, in Calgary and, you know, for him to be a head coach or an associate or assistant coach somewhere else, I, I don't think makes a ton of sense for him and his family. Um, yeah, Mark Stewart is the interesting one. Um, you know, being an assistant to Todd Woodcroft in Vermont, uh, clearly, you know, there's a reference that came along with that uh, to work with Jay Woodcroft. Uh, I do like a couple of the other maybe um, nuances that come along with Mark Stewart and the fact that he, you know, was involved with Todd Woodcroft in Vermont in coaching Munsonberger. Uh, so maybe that could help with some of his development as we bring in that second round prick, prick of last year. And what I also will find interesting, I'm not sure it's a benefit or not. Uh, we'll find out, but being an ex teammate of Evander Kane, um, and it doesn't take much of a Google search to uh, go and find what Mark Stewart's comments were after playing with Evander Kane in Atlanta and, Let's just say that they weren't very glowing. Um, 
So, you know, it's been out there and talked about, and I'm assuming that, you know, the Oilers have vetted all of their, you know, past relationships to make sure that all, all bridges haven't been burned and that everything is, you know, under the bridge per se. That said, um, maybe it's a good thing. You know, if Stewart's somebody that's played with Kane, he's maybe seen the worst of him. Maybe that can be that guy we talked about. You know, I know that the leadership has to come from the team and that vocal has to come from a doc or a Hyman or somebody. But, you know, maybe Mark, like you said, it can be a goal between the coaches and the players. And maybe every once in a while, if Mark barks in this dressing room, people will listen. Yeah, I mean, I, I just brought up that quote here, and I, I assume it's the one you're referring to, uh, Mark Stewart saying, <laughs> I know you guys love this stuff, referring to the media, which is fine, it's your job, but, and I'm not trying to insult you guys, but you have no idea what goes on in this room. You may hear stories once in a while, but that's the way it should be. Things shouldn't be getting out the day-to-day over the last three, four years. The guys really have no clue, so it's hard for you guys to make judgments. So, yeah, I mean, take what you want from that, and, uh I mean, it, it's certainly going to be interesting. I'm I'm sure the relationship must be somewhat okay for this move to happen. And, uh, you know, Evander Kane has aged quite a bit. That quote goes back to 2015. So, yeah, seven years yeah. ago. So, I mean, he's he's hopefully matured quite a bit, especially with the Oilers giving him the term that they did. Uh, it, it's it's going to be interesting. Why don't we just stick with Evander Kane? Because, I mean, that, that was kind of a polarizing topic, especially when he signed. I mean, a lot of people said, one year, that's great, let him walk after. And, you know, the Oilers obviously... Like what they saw, I I think if you're judging him purely on ice, you had to love what you got out of Evander Kane. He was exactly what the team needed, a perfect fit. And he was given the opportunity to sign elsewhere, decided to stick with the Edmonton Oilers, which you know probably says a lot with what he sees in this team. And I, I feel like playing with 97, it's almost a no-brainer. You're not going to find a better player that complements your skill set in the NHL. So it, it seemed pretty obvious that he did return. Were you surprised by Evander Kane? And I, I guess I'll even lump in Brett Kulak, another guy who had the opportunity to leave but decided it was good here. I, I feel like that's not necessarily something Oilers fans are used to over the last 25 years. Like, guys get the opportunity to leave, and they, they genuinely, genuinely do. This time, it's like, no, this is where we want to be, and it, it's got to be encouraging. Oh, man, I, I was surprised to answer your question. Absolutely, I was. I You know, I think there was a lot of rumors out there that Kane was going to cost upwards of maybe seven million and then he was asking for six seven years and was somebody gonna bite on seven by seven for a potential 50 goal score um holland deserves a ton of credit in my opinion for what he did in this offseason um not only afraid to right some wrongs when it came to cassian and um you know that that particular move i think sometimes gms can be stubborn and you know if they've signed somebody to something they believe in it and they don't want to admit they're wrong so I really like what he did with, with Cassian as well, to be honest. But to be able to bring back Kulak, in my opinion, at, at an absolute steal of a deal, to be honest, I, I thought it was going to be market price when I first saw it released. But then you see the good Branson contract come out, and then you see what Ben Sherratt, and then you see all of a sudden I thought, wow, like I think we could have saved a million dollars per year on what we paid Kulak. So, you know, and how many times have we had the – the hometown guy come home. How did it work out with Lupul? How did it work out with Surrey? Right? Like now yeah. we have somebody that is a hometown guy, wants to be here and looks like he's going to stay. Um, the flip side to all of that is watching people vacate out of Calgary. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's like here yeah. we are as Oilers fans. And, you know, we're the ones used to people wanting to, to leave town when they're done or even earlier. You know, and you look at Adam Larson and guys like that. And all of a sudden Calgary is the place that people don't want to be. So. 
yeah, to your point, it sure does show you what Connor McDavid and, and Leon Dreisaitl on your team can do. Um, Holland deserves a ton of credit for that. You know, Kane's a polarizing player, but the chemistry with, with Connor is intoxicating. Um, regardless of what his personality is, was off the ice at this point in time, it doesn't sound like the Oilers team cares. Um, and if they did, they wouldn't have brought him back. So I think it's great as far as a hockey, uh, organization is concerned. And as far as winning is concerned, um, I reserve opinion on personal life stuff and what they do off the ice. Cause I think ultimately we're fans and, and we don't know the whole story. Um, so yeah, to get those two players locked up was, was absolutely phenomenal. I think showing patience on GP, uh, JP was, was phenomenal. Uh, also a good decision, not having to give up a first round draft pick, uh, at the trade deadline or since I think has also been a win. So I give all in full credit and yeah, I was surprised at those moves and I am surprised that guys want to stay in Edmonton now, which is, it's really refreshing, Connor. It is, and I mean, there, there's a bunch of different ways we can go here, but I'm going to take the uh, petty Edmonton born and raised person. And yeah, when you see the Calgary Flames and what happened this off season, like part of me was thinking, you know, this this does kind of suck. Like the Battle of Alberta potentially was just starting to get going again, and you know, when Johnny Goudreau left, and he was fully entitled to do so, it it kind of left a hole in that Flames lineup, and you know, really opened it up to the the, the possibility that Matthew Kachuk could walk out. The next year and, you know, no, no compensation once again. So it kind of forced the Flames hand to make that move. I thought they got an excellent return, you know, especially Huberto Uyghur, first round pick, like a really good return. Now we'll just, I know this is an Euler based podcast, but very quickly, do you think that, uh, there is a strong likelihood that both of those guys re-sign with the Flames? Because I know when I saw on social media afterwards, a lot of people are like, well, Huberto will spend one year in Calgary and he's going to Montreal. What do you think? <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm going to be pick your favorite gif of somebody uh, eating popcorn and sitting <laughs> back in their chair. Uh, that's me. Uh, I can't absolutely. I, I'm. 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 I can't wait. I honestly can't wait to see what happens. Um, you know, you ask the average Calgary fan, and and Uyghur's already talking about it extension, and you know, Huberto will come around, but ultimately Huberto didn't necessarily want to leave Florida. He, talked you know there's a lot of report out there that he wanted to stay there and retire there and and raise a family in that community and you know maybe he goes back to Montreal I I can see that happening for those French players that grow up out east and and worship that franchise ah it's going to be interesting you know they already had their hands tied um they couldn't really do anything with Kachuk until they knew it was happening with Goudreau I don't think Kachuk would have done anything until he knew what was happening with Goudreau. So then Goudreau walks and quite honestly did them a little dirty in my opinion. I I don't know if, I, I think he was looking out for nobody but Johnny Hockey in that situation. And that's his right. Um, that's absolutely his right. He was looking to maximize his contract and his, his payout. And, it, and you know, I, I think he probably did um, as far as playing in the United States you look at two American players that want to leave Calgary and go back to play in the States, but then we've got Jack Campbell, an American player that wants to come and play in Edmonton. So I think that's a big drastic um, contrast between the two franchises right now. I know the the Oilers fan in me that wants to see a battle of Alberta for the next five years, obviously wants those guys to resign. Um, you know, the other side of me that, you know, wants to spit on the ground every time the word Calgary Flames comes out of my mouth, kind of <laughs> wants them to burn, no pun intended. Um, I kind of, like, I would giggle if they walked. And, 
it, I don't know. Maybe it's a good thing for hockey. Maybe it isn't. Um, but it, it's going to be absolutely fascinating to sit and watch how it, uh, how it turns out. I mean, if the fans are in any type of competing position towards the end of the season, I don't know how they trade those players. Right. And if you do, now you're trading basically the identity of your team because Huberto steps in as your best player. And that said about identity, what is the Flames' identity now, Connor? <laughs> so much of it was was Matthew Kachuk. It was Matthew, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Is your identity Sutter? And if your identity is your coach, is that good? <laughs> the action never ends with DraftKings Sportsbooks, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all of your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action in baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options Options feel endless. For me personally, I've been having a lot of fun with Major League Baseball. Of course, I'm a Jays fan, so I like to get Boba Shett and Vladdy involved. But, uh, you know, there's lots of options with DraftKings. And best of all, DraftKings, safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN to make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, Indiana, Minnesota, Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Wyoming. 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, in Colorado or New Hampshire. 1-800-522-4700. You can also visit ccpg.org slash chat at Connecticut. In Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. In New York, you can text HOPE and Y. You can visit opgr.org in Oregon. If you're in Tennessee, you can call 1-800-889-9789 or in Virginia, 1-888-532-3500. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in Wyoming, physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit required, eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. And I mean, and, and that's it exactly. Like it was Matthew Kachuk. It, you know, he's you love him if he's on your team. I loved him because he made the Battle of Alberta great again. And you know, if you're going up against him, though, you hate him. If and then that's that was great. Now you look at the Flames, and it's like okay, Toffoli, uh, Manjapani signed his big deal. Sure, I guess we'll see. But I mean, it's going to be a very interesting year for the Calgary Flames. It sucks the Oilers and Flames only meet three times, which is an absolute fail by the NHL. They should be playing, Big you time. know, at least two games in each market, and that's on the lower side. Like we want more. We want to promote that rivalry, and you know, the NHL kind of fails with that one. But you're right. It's it's a yep. situation like like they had with Johnny Goudreau. Like you didn't know if you're going to re-sign him. You were first in the Pacific, so you're not going to trade him because in their eyes they had to think, hey, we got to cup contending team here and then you get to the end of the road and and what do you do you you lose them for nothing so it's it's going to be very interesting for our our friends down south in the next uh i don't know six to eight months whatever it might be we'll see what happens uh we're joined here by heavyhockey.com's dash in the park uh join us uh well i mean i don't know why i said join us that was the the radio 
in me. I was going to say text in, but uh, the podcast, that, that does make it a little bit harder. Um, let's talk about Jack Campbell. You, you talked about it, you know, an American signing with a, a Canadian team. Obviously, he spent time in Toronto, so coming here, you know, maybe a little bit less in the fishbowl, but, you know, there's still going to be a lot of eyes on him, a lot of pressure. We know the friendship that he has with Zach Hyman, who might have played a little bit of a recruiting role. Um, what do you, what do you think, you know, going into next year? Uh, I, I thought potentially, you know, you might not have the highs that Mike Smith provided and the really outstanding goaltending, but you're also probably not going to get the lows that you'd have with Mike Smith. When you look at Jack Campbell coming in this year and, and what he might be able to do, what do you think? Are, are you, are you a believer? Huh. I do really think the jury is out. Um, I'm a believer because I want to be a good Oilers fan. Uh, ultimately, we needed to not fix the position, but we needed to address the position. And I think that's a key determination. We addressed it very well. I'm just not sure we fixed it. Um, only time can tell, and, and that's why we play the games. The thing about it is, is I'm starting to believe, and I can't even remember where I heard it. It, it might have been Merrick and Friedman or somebody that it kind of alluded to the goalie position in hockey. Um, and you'll appreciate this being the NFL fan you are, Connor, but, you know, kind of comparing to the running back in football. Yeah. Right. We look back to our heyday 10 years ago and, you know, remember the, the Ladanian Tomlinsons and the Edger and James. And, you know, these guys were the first pick in every fantasy draft year after year after year. The, NFL adapts a little bit, becomes more of a throw first game. And it seems like running backs have become this plug and play type of position, right? No matter who you stick in there, if you, as long as you stick with the system, you'll, you'll probably be okay. And I'm, you know, we're, we're far past the days where, you know, Grant Fuhrer or, or whoever, Patrick Waugh or these dominant goalies like Brodeur and Turco that used to play 70 games a year. The trend by far now is to have a 1A and a 1B and you play your 30 games and you play your 50 games or maybe it's 45 and 35 with some guys. And because of that, the real high-end goalies and the true star goalies have, have, in my opinion, a little bit disappeared. You know, there's the, there's the Shesterkins and the Vasilevskis and, and I don't know how many goalies are really out in, you know, close to them in that tier outside of those guys. And we just saw, Colorado Avalanche win a Stanley Cup with a goalie that was above average. Not fantastic, but above average. Um, that hasn't happened a lot in the NHL. You know, there's always been these outstanding goaltending performances from these homegrown goalies like, um, you know, the Jonathan Quicks and the, the Mark Andre Fleury's and the Matt Murray's and the Tim Thomas's and the Tuka Rasks. And these guys were, you know, these homegrown goalies that pulled out the best goaltending performances of, recent past in order to win a cup whereas now you can more or less play a system it seems and and do okay now what happened with the Oilers last year was we had two goalies that provided a hell of a lot of inconsistency and that can throw the system out so you know I think we develop systems for skaters and expect goalies to adapt but maybe it's time that you know if the goaltender is the most important position on the ice why aren't we developing systems to play around our goalie strengths Right. I, I used to see some of that with Paul Maurice in Winnipeg because, you know, Hellebuck was so good on straight lines, you know, he, in his lateral play had a little bit of weakness to it, but that year he was, um, in Vesna. Did he win the Vesna? Yeah. I think he won. I the think Vesna so. Yeah. Year. 
um, when when he did, you know, the, the system they played was they really tried to eliminate any lateral play, and and Maurice had the other teams rushing down into their end in straight lines to be able to kind of take advantage of Hellebuck's strengths. Or, you know, with Smith or Turco and their puck handling in the past, you know, teams have kind of adapted. Well, now it seems like we've got an offensive system, and the goalie has to adapt. So, I really believe that there's just a chemical formula that needs to, you know, work out within the strengths and weaknesses of the team and their systems with the strengths and weaknesses of the goalie, right? If you're a team like the Oilers that doesn't give up a shot for 10 minutes, but then gives up 10 shots in five minutes, it's probably important to have a goalie that's okay to, you know, that can still play well after he's sat in the other end for 10 minutes with a stick in his hand and his other hand on the post, right? Or if you've got a guy that, you know, if we're giving up a lot of odd man rushes, well, then let's have a goalie that plays well against those types of things. And I, I have faith in Brad Holland and uh, his help with Ken to kind of identify a goalie that has the strengths that will benefit our team's weaknesses. And, and I think Campbell has a little bit of that, where there it's the, the calmness in the dressing room, his ability to play... Um, I, you know, I, I dug into some stats and he had one of the best save percentages in the NHL after not seeing a shot for five minutes. Mm. Um, <laughs> little things like that, I, I think are beneficial to what our team is looking for, right? We, we needed that consistency. How many times did we talk about you, Gregor Strudwick? I heard it all. If we just had a goalie with a nine ten save percentage, <laughs> you know, we'd have five more wins at this not point. Not elite, time. just good. <laughs> That's right. Just a, and you know, I believe Campbell is that. I believe he can be that. He'll be more. He's certainly not going to be yelling at young defensemen like Smith. I mean, his nickname is Soup, but it's also Ned Flanders for a reason. You know, <laughs> he's got that personality where Oakley Dokley on to the next one. Um, you know, the downside being, I think, his his mental stability. He's had confidence issues in the past. Um, that said, I think you know, in his little bits of 155 games experience in the NHL when he's been put to task and had a regular starting position. I thought he was quite, quite good. So, you know, and you led the all going into the all-star break at a 948 save percentage and was number one in the NHL and made the all-star team last year. So if we get a goalie that has a 948 in the first half, I like our chances, man. Yeah. I, I mean, and I agree with you. And I mean, with the offensive firepower that the Oilers have, uh, like you said, Good goaltending, above average goaltending could be enough. You don't need those spectacular performances too often. I mean, the offense should bail you out. And, you know, I, I was just looking at the Oilers goaltending, you know, as a duo compared to last year. So this year, $5.75 million cap hit. Stuart Skinner's obviously going to need a new contract after next season. But when you go back to last year and you look at Mike Smith had the 2.2 and Mikko Koskinen had the $4.5 million cap hit, like $6.7 million. So you got cheaper between the pipes. And, you know, you might get a better performance. So that that's a win. We'll see what happens with Stuart Skinner. And, you know, if he plays those 30 games-ish that kind of Ken Holland alluded to in his press conference, then, you know, obviously yeah. he's going to be due for a pay raise. But for this season alone, it, it's it's not too bad. And, I, I mean, I'm excited to see what Stuart Skinner can do. We were calling for him, geez, when the Oilers had that really tough stretch. Um, mm-hmm. What was it? Midway through... January. It's about the six, six, yes, yeah, I was going to say the 50 to five to 60 game mark. I yeah. Think, we're, we're Mike things... Smith notes needs to go on LTIR. <laughs> we need to call up Skinner to find out what we have and he needs to play the rest of the season because Koskinen sucks. Yeah. It, it was like, it just later, Smith was one of the best goalies in the NHL. So, and that, that was one of the things I joked about on this podcast. Like he's so 
inconsistent. Like, yeah, now he sucks, but he could turn it around next week. And I, I think Hernan was like, no, mm-hmm. no, like you don't, you don't do that. And you know, mm-hmm. maybe Stuart Skinner would have been a better option. We'll, we'll never know in hindsight, but Mike Smith played some, some damn good hockey down the stretch. He was good in the playoffs. Yes. He, he had his lapses. Like we know he will, but he, he played pretty well. So overall, I mean, I'm, I'm just intrigued to see what the goaltending can do. And, and I think that Jack Campbell's going to be that nice piece of a uh, stability in this one. Um, when you when you look at this specific division going into the season, as we stand right now, I mean, I, the Flames, who knows? The Canucks, I, I kind of put them in that category. We'll we'll see what happens, which team they are. You know, um, they they had a little bit of a nice burst with the coaching change, but you know, the Ducks sold off a lot of guys. The Kings look like they're improving. The Sharks probably going to improve. The Vegas Golden Knights, another one. Like, who knows? Kraken getting better, but still coming off that expansion season. I mean, do you have the Oilers as kind of penciled in or even penned in as that number one spot in the Pacific? I did until the Huberto trade. Okay, that's fair. I I do feel that, like, I'm not sure Calgary got worse. You know, I I think Huberto is better than Goudreau. And Uyghur becomes a very important piece on the back end. You know, he was... A, a, a top pairing defenseman and, and has proven to be a top pairing defenseman in, in my personal opinion. In fact, I, I wanted to look back because there was um, something I saw on Twitter. Uh, somebody had tweeted out, you know, Uyghur's the best defenseman in Alberta, prove me wrong. <laughs> you know, and obviously everybody in Northern Alberta jumped right on and said, well, no, it's nurse. And looking back, I actually, cause you know, I was going to pipe in and say, Oh, come on. Nurse is obviously uh top pairing defenseman he finished seventh in Norris voting so I went and looked at the voting what how many people actually knew that when Nurse finished seventh in Norris voting two years ago that Uyghur was two points behind him in eighth (laughs) I didn't I didn't know that until I looked so you got to think that that's close right so now the Flames have added a Darnell Nurse quality player and I think honestly Huberto is better than Goudreau so you lost some identity but the skill is still there and Sutter's still there Mm mm-hmm so their back end might have got better. I'm not sure their front end got much worse. And they had 111 points last year. You know, we had 104. So part of me wants to say it's still Calgary's division to lose. But part of me wants to say the Oilers taking a step forward and maybe Calgary taking a step back, that it, it could be Edmonton's to lose. I do think it's still going to be a dogfight. I really do. The bigger question for me, Mike B. Connor, is how many teams from the Pacific make the playoffs? Because if the Kings are improved, right, they'll have more Doughty. They picked up Fiala. They'll have Arvidsson for the playoffs, supposedly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the Flames and the Oilers should be shoe-ins. The Kings are third in the Pacific. If we're going to call them a playoff team again, does that mean the Knights are still out with a full season with Jack Eichel? Or does that mean if the Knights are in, who doesn't make it? Because I would say the Avs and the Blues are still going to make it. The Wild had 113 points last year. Yeah. Right? So is it the is it the Stars? Is it the Preds? Is it, you know, do they fall out? Are the Jets going to improve enough to come in? Are the Canucks going to improve? I I really, I find the, that whole division and, and that side fascinating. I think outside of the Avs probably finishing first in the West, I don't, there, there could be five teams that finish second. <laughs> and wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. It was Edmonton or Calgary yeah. or St. Louis or Minnesota? 
Minnesota, St. Louis, both were within 10 points of Colorado. And I feel like we, we talked about how Colorado was that juggernaut throughout the season. It was so good. I mean, they only lost 19 mm-hmm. games. Pretty impressive. But then you look at it, like you said, like Minnesota, St. Louis, uh, Dallas. Nashville not making the playoffs would just seem weird. It seems like they're always just exactly. hanging around. So yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I'm really looking forward to it. I know we're still, you know, over a month away, but from even them getting on the ice, but it, it is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Dash, before you go, my final question for you. And, uh, there, I'm sure there's lots we could ask, but, uh, yes, play RVI. Uh, is he going to play for the Oilers next season or do you think he becomes a cap casualty? Jeez, man. My, I keep wavering. Um, <laughs> You know, when you'd asked me before the contract was signed and he was going to ARB, I would have thought that he was gone. That said, I would have thought he was gone at the at the draft. You know, now if here's the thing about it, and and I think part of the reason I keep wavering. And with that, I do believe we ran out of time on our Zoom call. My apologies. I think Dash was going to get to something really big there. Uh, maybe we'll have to go to Twitter and find out what exactly he had planned there. But uh, it is going to be interesting. Uh, you know, when it comes to Yasapoli RV, uh, I like I said, we, I had Low Tide on the podcast a while ago. You know, he said he was probably ninety ten that he was leaving, and then after the draft, it was like sixty forty. Maybe he does find a way to hang around, and you know what? Now who knows? Maybe it's fifty fifty. Maybe JP is back next year. The Oilers will need to cap. Uh, clear some cap space. We'll find out what happens with that one. But yeah, it is going to be very interesting to say the least when it comes to Yesipoyarvi. Uh, still no update on Kyler Yamamoto. He's got his arbitration hearing scheduled in the next couple of days here. Uh, Ryan McLeod will need to be re-signed. So it's going to be very fun. Uh, lots for the Edmonton Oilers. Ken Holland to figure out still before the season gets going. I'm sure we'll see a couple PTOs, maybe some notable names, guys that don't have deals but know they can still play and would like the opportunity to play with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. It's going to be a lot of fun, and you know what? We'll get Dash back on the podcast in the next couple weeks here. We could keep going. There was lots of stuff we didn't get to. The Zoom time frame does not help us out. I mean, I guess I could pay some money and get the unlimited meetings, but, you know, I'm on a budget here, so we'll just get Dash back on. But uh, really appreciate him hopping on. Of course, you can check him out at heavyhockey.com on Twitter at Dash in the Park. And uh, we always appreciate Dash joining me here on the Other Connor Podcast. That's going to wrap it up for this episode of this show. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I appreciate it. As always, if you just stumbled across the podcast, make sure you subscribe. Give it a rating if you'd like. Ideally, a five-star rating. But, you know, you can be honest if you'd like. Also, big shout-out to our sponsor, DraftKings. Uh, if you're going to sign up today, use promo code THPN. It can help you out in a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, you got the NFL right around the corner. NBA, NHL will be here in no time. And daily fantasy sports are a lot of fun. So I highly recommend you check that out. Do so responsibly, as always. And, again, thank you for tuning in today. Thank you to Dash in the Park. I'm Connor Halley. We'll talk to you next time here on The Other Connor Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to The Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday wherever you get your podcasts from.